Ladies and gentlemen, dreamers and doers, seekers of purpose and fulfillment, welcome to Passion on Purpose, the podcast that sets your soul on fire and ignites the spark within you. I'm your host, Steph Hilfer, and I'm beyond thrilled you're here. Passion on Purpose features leaders, experts, and sometimes me on center stage. We put the spotlight on visionaries, entrepreneurs, leaders, experts, and everyday heroes to share their journey of self-discovery, enthusiasm, and unwavering determination. We'll explore how they use their passion and purpose to fuel their brand. Alongside our leaders, we'll provide practical tips, actionable advice, and wisdom from our experts across various fields. So if you're ready to unleash your inner fire, shake off the doubts and insecurities, and pursue a life of purpose with unbridled enthusiasm, then let's dive in. All right, guys, we are back with another episode of the Passion on Purpose podcast. I am so excited. This is only our second, I don't even know if you know this, this is only our second returning guest who came on season one as a leader and I had to have back to showcase as an expert for this Leaders on Center Stage expert or excuse me, passion on purpose, experts on center stage season. Uh, I really want to make sure that what we plan to talk about today hits home for you guys and is actionable, tactical, logical, all of the things that you can take from this episode and of course be inspired in lots of ways, but also hit the ground running with some things to do. Um, That's one of the things that I really value about our experts on center stage episodes is because I have had conversations with my guests, make sure they know that that's what you all are showing up for. So we have a grand agenda to do just that. that. So I'm going to run it down like we normally do. I'm going to run it down because I want you guys to stick with us. We're going to stay for about 50 minutes or so. So stick with us and make sure you hit all these points. Uh, We're going to talk about how consistent we all hear. Consistency is key. Consistency is key. We're going to talk about how consistency doesn't have to equal constant. Talk about a load off our shoulders right there. Then we're going to talk about some sim- how to simplify marketing. What sort of marketing, what sort of simplified marketing tactics are available to us that maybe we haven't tried or tapped into? Then, as one of my favorite things to talk about, but it's so great to talk about another perspective, especially from an expert like our guest today. I want to talk about the difference between marketing and branding and what that means to you when it comes to consistency and marketing strategies. Then the topic on everyone's brain, we'll probably like have to breeze through this topic a little quick because we could probably spend a whole episode on it. Uh, But we're going to talk about some innovative solutions that are happening in the world today, right? You would be living under a rock if you hadn't heard of AI. Um, Automation has been around for a while and it's only becoming more and more robust. So there's so many tools and tech advances that I want to touch on today briefly with Ruthie um, so that you guys get a sense on how you can work those into your marketing strategies. And then last but not least, and guys, stick around for this point for sure. This is one of the key things that made me reach out to Ruthie and say, hey, I got to get you on to talk about this. But we are going to talk about a plan you can put together. It's called the Nine Grid and how that can give you some freedom around this uh, incessant feeling and like I think a pressure to show up every single day all the time, Um, kind of relieve a little of that, but not feel like you are ghosting your community. 
So that was a lot. That was a lot of me before I even get a chance to say hello and hi to you, Ruthie Starrett. She is the owner, founder, all amazing person running things at the Consistency Corner. Also the podcast host of the Consistency Corner. Ruthie, hi. Thanks for being here. Hi, Steph. Thank you so much for having me. I, we're like, we're going to talk about so many good things today. I'm so excited for this conversation and appreciate you reaching out to have me back. And, you know, like you said, you want to stay till the end because we're going to share a strategy on how to step away from social media without sacrificing your marketing strategy and your visibility. But I love that you covered all the other things that we're going to get into because those other things are critical in order to be able to successfully step away. So this is such a, a conversation that I've been looking forward to having. Likewise. Well, let's roll right into it then. Um, let's talk about this. I, I, I said it before. It's a quote. It's a quote that needs to be on my wall. Consistency doesn't have to equal constant. Where? What does that mean to you? And how can people pull some good tidbits from that? Yeah. Well, funny story. The Consistency Corner actually started as a health and fitness brand. So I was in network marketing in the health and fitness space. I was trying to figure out how to kind of create my own thing, my own offer. And I wanted to help working moms live their best life. Like I didn't really know what that looked like. This is just a little bit of the brand evolution, but I knew that making healthy choices more consistently was really important to being at our best. But what I found was that so many women, while they're trying to juggle all the things, consistent meaning constant, like was not realistic, but could we be consistent at a different intensity? Could we exercise three days a week versus every day? Could we drink water with three meals or two meals instead of zero, you know, mm -hmm. things like that, or instead of every single, you know, your hundred gallons of water, like I'm never going to get there. I don't know if, if you are or not, but I can't, <laughs> but I realized when the consistency corner pivoted to a marketing brand, which is a whole nother story. I talk about it on an episode of my podcast, if you're interested in that backstory, but there are so many parallels between marketing your business and taking care of your own health and fitness, like mm -hmm. the journey, the need to be patient, the fact that like, unfortunately there is no easy button or quick fix that is sustainable. And it goes back to that whole conversation of like, we think we need to be consistent doing all the things all the time. And as a small business owner, you can do anything, but you can't do everything all the time because that is a recipe for burnout. And one of my favorite kind of analogies, and I'm like a huge analogy person, but one of my favorite analogies is to think about nature. So the trees, as we're heading into the fall season right now, the trees consistently turn colors and mm -hmm. fall but they don't do that every day. They don't do that every month. It's a consistent pattern that's not constant. And so when we think about sustainable marketing strategies that are not going to lead to burnout, we can think about ways to be consistent that maybe isn't constant. For example, I produce a podcast. I produce one podcast a week. I don't do one a day. So mm -hmm. I'm still consistent with my podcast, but it doesn't mean I'm showing up every single day doing that. You know, if you write blogs or you send emails, what is a consistency that you can maintain? Because then you're truly being consistent versus that like start, stop, start, stop that we mm -hmm. see so many people do when they try to sprint and then burn out. 
I feel like the, the you know, either A, it's a misunderstanding of what consistent means, or mm -hmm. B, people are really throwing this uh, sense of having to be constant because they're they're really wanting the effort to work for them. Mm -hmm. How do you help people realize, you know, sure, you could show up every single day since you want this to, to produce a result for you faster, but like, how do you kind of talk that through with someone who's like, but, but Ruthie, if I showed up every day, imagine what, yeah. what thoughts? Well, the, the one thing that I see pretty regularly with my clients and myself as well is we overestimate our own capacity. Like, oh yeah, sure. I can write a blog every week. And I, I've seen this with clients where we create a content plan and they say they're going to write a blog every single week. And they're very smart people with a lot of great things to say but they're not thinking about the capacity that they have to actually sit down and create. And so we'll sit down a month later to revisit the plan. And I'm like, okay, where are you on the blog? Oh, I, I have written zero. I, I have not started. And I'm like, okay, so maybe one a week was a little bit too ambitious. What if we did one a month? Like, let's kind of back it up and figure out again, like I said, that intensity that we can maintain and really be honest with ourselves about our capacity. And that's something that like, I know I'm, like I said, I'm the exact same way. I will write my to-do list every single day with twice as many things that I can actually get done. But when I sit down to prioritize it, that prioritization comes in of like, okay, what are the needle movers? What are mm -hmm. the things that I've committed to doing consistently? Because it's that consistent, that compound effect of doing something consistently over time that really starts to move the needle. And I'll go back to the conversation about blog content or long form content, because one of the, the pillars of my method is having long form content. And I was talking to a client this week and she was like, well, what if instead of writing blogs, I was writing emails? And I was like, okay, I hear you that maybe you don't think you have the capacity to write blogs today, but a year from now, if you had been writing one blog a month and then you sit down to write an email, guess what? You can reference that blog post in your email. And so now it's compounding for you and you're able to add even more value to your audience because you've put that work in to the long form content piece. But for her, it was like, I got to pump out content. I got to do the thing every day. I should be sending an email or writing a post or whatever. So she was like looking for those like quick fix, mm -hmm. initial validation things, which so often we do. And social media has very much trained us for this, that like yes. instant gratification. But long form content, man, if you can even just for one year, commit to creating that content, that long form content, legacy content that you own, you'll find that you can go back and use that content again in the future, which then makes it so that your work, you're working smarter and not harder. Yeah. So I would imagine from hearing you, you know, you probably preach and coach a lot about repurposing content. Absolutely. Yeah. I just had a client that we worked on who did a podcast interview similar to yours. They do it in video. And I took that podcast interview that that client did. It was a 45 minute conversation and we created 12 social media pieces out of it. And then we're running ad campaigns with those videos. And then we created a lead magnet and an opt-in. And so all of these things. And so I said to that client when they were like, yeah, that was really great. I said, listen, what if when we plan 2024, we could get one conversation like that a quarter on your calendar? Like that's four a year. Yeah. But then how much content are we going to be able to pull out 
from those types of things. And so there, our plan as we set up for success and to, for them to plan next year is to plan those things and plan a cadence that they can be consistent with. And just like many other people I talked to, that same client was like, well, let's do one a month. And I'm like, I know your schedule and I know how busy you are. And I know the schedule of the people that you're going to want to have conversations with and how busy they are. So let's plan on one a quarter mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of one a month. Because a lot of times what we do too, if we set ourselves up with those really high expectations, when we aren't able to fulfill them because we don't have the capacity, then we beat ourselves up. Then we lose confidence. Then we lose faith in the strategy. And then of course the strategy doesn't work because we didn't actually do the work around the strategy. And we tend to then freeze. Yes. Because it's like, well, then where do I go? Absolutely. Yes. That freezing of the like, well, nothing works. Well, it's not that nothing works. It's just that that plan didn't work for you. So mm-hmm. how can we set ourselves up with a plan that will actually work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some of your kind of go-to pocket toolbook simplified marketing? And, and, and that's that's such a statement, right? Simplified marketing, simplify marketing. Marketing doesn't always, like a simplified marketing doesn't just mean everything is super easy, like you said. I just don't want to mislead that there's this easy button because I know you 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 promote that that's not there. But I just know you have some really good tips in your brain to share on some things people can walk away with and implement right after listening today. Yeah, yeah. When we sit down and plan for it, whether it's a year, a quarter, a month, the thing that I always want to go back to is let's talk about the marketing funnel. Attract, nurture, convert. We want to think about those three functions of the marketing funnel. And then we want to think about the containers where we are achieving those things. So what are the containers that we're using to attract new eyes on our business? Maybe it's networking events. Maybe it's paid traffic through either paid search or paid social. Maybe it's sponsoring an event. Maybe it's SEO and adding more content to your website that you've you know done keyword research around. Maybe it's reels and you're doubling down and going all in on short form video content because you know that algorithms are picking it up. But there's a lot of different strategies we could focus on. So how do we choose one or two for this time period, this quarter, to really focus and get that compound effect from? And here, you know, you hear I'm talking about containers. Mm-hmm. So not just like the actual content piece and what are we saying, but where is the content going? What's our attract container? What's our nurture container? What's our convert container? And I like to really look at one to two per quarter or time period that we're looking at and saying, okay, with those two, what's our plan? How are we going to be consistent? How intense can we be and give it 90 days or six months to be able to get the data to figure out what really works? And if we can simplify it down to that, then creating content to fill those containers actually becomes a lot easier because we're being more strategic about it. And we're going back and we're thinking about what's our overall plan versus just like this one container. And we're thinking about how that container fits into the overall puzzle of our marketing strategy. And, you know, I see a lot of business owners, especially if they are DIYing their content or they've got a small team where everybody's wearing multiple hats, tend to lean too heavily in one of those three areas, either attract, nurture, or convert. Like we gotta be like Goldilocks. 
we got to find the just right fit, but often we are leaning really heavily into one and not doing enough of the other two. Yeah. So you shared a lot there and I want to break down some things that maybe are foreign to, to listeners that they could really gain a lot of insight, yeah. even just from defining these, these containers. A, you know, I think the first thing you think of is when Ruthie mentions that social is just a container. We think, well, is container just another word for platform or for channel? No. In reality, what I'm hearing, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, is that a container is these, this, these three methods. It's how, where and how you're attracting where you're nurturing, and then how you're converting. And so in your, uh, let's, if you can, maybe share, what do you, what do those three containers look like and mean to you so that we can kind of wrap our brains around, oh, that's what, when I'm doing that, that's me attracting, right? Let's break down mm -hmm. some of those terms. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that I see with a lot of online business owners is they'll, because of the online space has exponentially grown from social media people will rely on social media pretty heavily and think like posting on social media is a marketing strategy it's not <laughs> posting on social media or social media in general is a container just like a coffee cup is a container for your coffee it's not actually coffee mm -hmm. so when we think about social media for the most part, it makes sense to me as a nurture container, meaning once someone already knows who you are, they've already found your business, they're aware that you exist, they're going to use social media to get to know you and decide if they like you and learn about you, where there's other strategies for them to learn who you are and get to know you. Now, people can absolutely discover you on social media. Yes, that is a thing. But for most business owners who I talk to, most of them say, my clients don't find me on social media. They find me via a Google search or they find me via a referral from a, another client or I met them at a in a community that I was in. And social media helps amplify that relationship in that somebody goes to look, look you up and they binge all the content that you've put out there. So it's nurturing the relationship. And so again, we go back to kind of plan and think about how am I attracting, where am I nurturing and how am I converting? That just helps us make sure that we are thinking about the customer journey in all phases and not ignoring one. I know I've seen businesses, particularly when they get really um, successful, start to ignore the attract phase because they think like, oh, we're doing great. Business is great. Business is great. We don't need to attract new customers. Well, if you're going to continue to grow, you do have to continue to attract new customers. And so just thinking about where you do that, or, you know, again, a lot of people will really are their service providers. They love to help. They love to serve. They'll lean really heavy into nurture. They'll do their email newsletters. They're posting educational content on social media. They're maybe even sharing blogs or podcasts with promotion, with educational tips and best practices, but they're never having any content out there that's like, would you like to work with me? Here's how you can book a call. Mm -hmm. Here are the, the, here's the availability and capacity that we have to serve you. So again, they get stuck in that nurture phase. And then we also see the businesses, and I'm sure we've all been to the networking events where people stand up and it's like, I'm so-and-so and I do this, and this is how you can work with me. And it's just like immediately convert. It's buy my thing. 
and they overdo the buy my thing and the convert strategies without doing the attract and the nurture. So they're like proposing on the first date without having that like dating content mm-hmm. or dating strategy behind the scenes. So just being really intentional about where are we doing all three of those things and are we putting enough energy and effort into each one of them? Because that's what's going to set our business up for success long term. You know, you might be able to lean heavy into convert and have a, a launch that goes well, or you might be able to lean heavy into attract and grow your email list. But then what? Yeah. You know, your business is is here for the long haul for the most part. You're here to build a business that, you know, has an income for your life, for your team's lives and families. And so we want to think about that sustainability and fueling the funnel will do that. And I think, you know, like I said, we've used a lot of words here We've and, and a lot of words that are used in the industries kind of, you know, I don't want to say interchangeably, but, you know, they're layered on. Everyone has a different opinion of them. And so I just kind of want to recap. We're thinking about, you know, Ruthie's idea of containers. You know, to me, what I'm hearing is that if you're attracting, where are you intentionally attracting? What, yes. what container, meaning where are you using, are you using email marketing? Are you using Google? Are you using ads? Are you using social? And is that tool that you're choosing to use intentionally attracting, meaning bringing in new people, bringing mm-hmm. in new leads, bringing in a community, attracting people to your brand? That to me, is that a good like kind of summary of that? Yeah. And, and the reason that I always take things back to the funnel is because in the world of marketing, mark people who do marketing and platforms that help you market, do marketing are really good at marketing. (laughs) And so when you look out into the world, it looks like you need all the shiny objects and all the latest tools and the latest strategy, but maybe that isn't what your business needs today, or maybe you're not going to be able to do that consistently. Mm -hmm. So dipping your toe in it is just going to be a time suck for you. And I'll give the example of TikTok. You know, before I started my agency, I was a corporate marketing director for a small retailer and omni-channel retailer. So we had brick and mortar stores. We had an online presence and I had a team of probably six in-house. Plus we had agency partners. We were not on TikTok. And everybody kept saying, we should be on TikTok. We should be on TikTok. We should be on TikTok. And I was like, we don't have the capacity to create content for TikTok consistently. So if we're going to do that, it's either going to take away from something else that's already working, or we're going to be doing it haphazardly here and there, which means we're not going to get results anyway, because we're not doing it consistently enough. So Although, yes, it's the shiny thing. It's the new thing. People are going viral. It's working for them. We're not going to do it because it doesn't fit into our capacity right now. And we've already got things in place for attract, nurture, and convert that we can get better at, that we can optimize before we layer in the shiny new thing. Yeah. I think there's so much gold. So if we have to, just because we put, we overachieve, we reached for a big goal (laughs) here for our time today. So (laughs) talk about what we naturally do. We have so many other points that I want to get to, and I I know we only have a little bit of time remaining. So um, tell me, so anyway, what I want to say, audience, go back, re-listen to that. Really make sure that you are looking at the intention and the containers for attracting, nurturing, 
and converting. That alone, if you start to look at the effort you're putting into your marketing um, and, and say, is this, a intent, is this a attracting? Is this nurturing? Or is this converting? And you really hone in on the intention behind that. That alone, I know, is going to be such a beautiful uh, layer on top of what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. So let's, we don't have to sit on this too long, but I just love hearing, how do you present to your community the difference between branding and marketing? Yeah, I love that question. And you know what we just talked about with the marketing funnel, attract, nurture, convert, that's marketing. But first we have to clarify and define our branding because what marketing does is marketing, in my opinion, connects your brand to your business goals. Mm -hmm. Marketing is the container, the roadmap, the bridge that connects those things to each other. But we have to start with our brand. We have to start, what's our mission? What's our vision? What's our values? Who's our ideal customer? What are the things that make us unique in the way that we serve them and the transformations that they achieve? How do we represent that visually through colors, fonts, key images? And then how do we, you know, put that all together in ways that the consumer can digest in order to get to know us with those, the, the communication channels. And once we've defined those things, using those details consistently helps our marketing be more effective because again, mm -hmm. it goes back to that compound effect. So for me, branding is the starting point and it's like that chicken egg of like, well, if I don't know which one to do, which one do I do? And you got to start with one. And quite honestly, you can start with either. You can start with marketing and work through your branding and kind of come backwards, or you can start with branding and then market. And before we hit record, I know we talked about that, like you and I have seen people do both and then not do the other one, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, they'll do they'll do branding. They'll go all in. I've seen it done with with my clients. Uh, they'll go all in, invest, spend all this time, get so excited about the end result of like this is me, this is my brand personified. It's everything I love, but then never put it into the world. Mm -hmm. right? I I always like to say branding. Well, your marketing's job is to get branding out there. So if you mm -hmm. haven't solidified your brand, what is marketing doing for you? Mm -hmm. Right. And then yeah. the, and the vice versa, they'll do marketing they'll have a great person who's like, okay, you don't have a brand, but let's, let's do this whole campaign. And then the next time that they want to market, they either a have to do the same thing because it's all they have, which may, might not feel authentic to them mm -hmm. or B, they do something completely different, you know, completely looks different, sounds different, totally different vibe. And then all of the people they work to attract and even nurture in the previous campaign doesn't even recognize the the tie to that same brand. Mm -hmm. It feels like a whole new world. So um, I love I love that. Like I said, I promise we wouldn't hang on that too long. But any anything else on the differences before we move on to these like two massive topics? Yeah, you know, I was actually just recording an episode for my podcast the other day talking about evolutions and pivots within your brand, and I think that's something to address because your brand is an ecosystem. It's a living thing and it is going to evolve just like you as a human evolve. Mm -hmm. And so it is important to revisit your brand sometimes and decide, is it time for an update? Is it time for a tweak? Is it time to invest in support in elevating the branding? Because I have DIY'd it for a little while. 
because sometimes when we get more effective with our branding, it makes our marketing more effective. And I'll go back to my corporate job example. You know, when I took over the marketing director role, that company had been in business for 10 or 12 years and had branding. They had colors, they had fonts, they had logos, weren't very clear on an ideal customer, didn't have brand values, mm. and didn't regularly talk about the brand mission. So I made a really big effort to say, like, we got to hone in on this and we got to focus on this stuff. And when we did and we made a lot of our content about the brand and the customer, selling product got that much easier mm -hmm. because we were able to build a relationship through those branding elements and those values and speaking to and understanding who the customer is. Because, I mean, we say all the time you if you talk to everybody no one is listening mm -hmm. and i love this analogy of if you're at a restaurant a busy restaurant and you stand up and you're like everybody and people are like what who are they talking to they're not talking to me but you sit down at your table and you're having a conversation with the person across from you they're listening mm -hmm. and the people next to you could also listen and the people next to you could also listen so we want to be really clear on who we're talking to because then other people will actually listen as well instead of trying to just blanket talk to everyone. Yeah, yeah, that's a good visual reminder. I feel like the same kind of idea would be like if someone stood up and said, you know, if you ate the spaghetti, all of a sudden everyone who has spaghetti in front of them is like, uh-oh, what's going on with the spaghetti, mm -hmm. right? Versus if you ate at this restaurant, well, everyone's right. like, okay, yeah, we've eaten here a lot. I, I like the really, really narrowing it down of like, who are we talking to? What is the specific thing? And, I, and I that's think, a, you know, niching in general, I can speak from experience. Like that's a hard thing to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's hard to put language behind who do you serve. It's hard to narrow. It's hard to know. And I'll share an example. We're going to talk about the nine grid strategy here in a few minutes, but when I launched an offer that I have of a done for you nine grid, I actually thought I was selling it to the person who was burnt out and tired of creating social media content. And then I sold one of the packages and realized, actually I sold two and realized that that's not who I was serving with this offer. I was serving the person who wasn't posting at all. So it's not that they were burnt out and on the hamster wheel. They just weren't doing it. They didn't have the time. They didn't have the capacity. They didn't have the creative energy. And so with that data, we rewrote the sales page. We rewrote the messaging around it because I realized it was for a different person. And once I did that, selling it and talking about it and bringing it up in conversation became that much easier because then I really knew who that ideal customer was. I want to roll right into it because that's it's it's huge. I love what you're doing. I love this approach. And I think there's probably a lot of listeners that are doing either the A non-existent, you know, presence. Well, mm -hmm. I'm gonna say presence, right? We say social because it's where we all um A, that's what's really, you know, it really fits this nine grid uh offer that you have and nine grid uh solution and strategy that you're we're gonna talk about. But also I want you guys to think outside of that too. If you, you know, being present doesn't just mean being on social. You're wherever that container is for your presence, I think you can take A, some ideas from this 
offer, but this is specifically, you know, for Instagram. So mm -hmm. let's just dive in. I know we wanted to touch on some innovative topics. We'll see what time is looking like and we'll go there, but I really yep. want to roll right into what is a nine grid? Who is it for? And, uh, let you share more about that. Yeah. So a nine grid is a visual content strategy to turn your Instagram profile into a mini website or billboard for your brand. And what it is, is you post nine squares. You can do more. I'm an overachiever. I often will do 12 or 15 when I design one, but they visually all go together like a puzzle. So that when someone, let's say, meets you at a networking event and looks you up or Googles you and lands on your website and wants to learn more and clicks that little Instagram button, they land on your profile and it's clear that all of this content goes together and it tells a story. It starts with a, hi, I'm so-and-so or welcome to such and such company or brand. And then it goes into, this is how we can help you. This is our areas of expertise. You know, we'll have posts that are like a polarizing opinion. These are the ways that we can work together. This is what happens if maybe you don't take the action that I can support you with, how the transformation won't happen. Client testimonials, um, if any free resources that you have, referencing those. And then kind of like a final call to action of what makes you and your brand special and unique. And ex again, exactly who it is that you serve. So when someone lands on that Instagram versus seeing like one little post about your offer, a reel of you and your dog, picture from your vacation, they're like, I don't, I, I don't know what this person is all about. And moving on, mm -hmm. it's like strategic, potent content that they get. And it's grid content, meaning it's static. So it lives on your profile or your grid and you can set it and forget it. And so a lot of times people are like, okay, well, but aren't you supposed to like feed the algorithm and what's the algorithm gonna do? Who cares about the algorithm? And this is where I go like, if you're not getting clients from Instagram anyway, people aren't discovering you on Instagram. The algorithm isn't doing you any favors today anyway, but you want to make sure that your content is working for you because I'm guessing your clients are referring you. And I love this example. I use this example a lot for realtors. Competitive space. There's a lot of realtors. Let's say my I'm ready to sell my house and I asked my neighbor, hey, who is your realtor? Who did you use? And they gave me a referral. And then I ask um, my hairdresser, hey, I'm looking for a realtor. Do you know anybody? And she refers me somebody. And then I go look those people up online and I look at their website and I look at their social media and I decide based on that content who I want to work with. So if people are looking you up online and you don't have strategic content on your Instagram profile, there is a chance that you're leaving money on the table, that you're letting business walk away because you haven't strategically told your story on social media where people hang out. 3 billion people use Instagram. So people are there and you know, you have like three seconds to make an impression on someone. So having a visual strategy where the, the posts and the images really pop and your brand elements are there and they tell your story with consistency can grab that attention so that you can continue to nurture them through that content that you set. And then once you've posted it, you don't have to think about it anymore. You know, it's there, you know, it's serving you 
You can revisit it once a quarter or once every six months and make updates based upon what's happening in your business, but it's just one less thing to worry about. I love it so much. Uh, a, it, it hits my branding brain so much, my branding eyeballs, should I say, because when you when you go to anyone who does the nine grid strategy, immediately you have an, a sense of their brand, their aesthetic, and through their imagery and through the words that they've shared, more about their tone, their personality, and their intention. You, you get that in a snapshot. I almost find, uh, be, because I know that humans, our brains are visually driven, right? We eat with our eyes, we judge books by their cover, even though we're literally told not to. And we all can say, oh, I don't see color. Oh, I don't make judgments on people. Our brain in instantly does for us. So mm -hmm. we know how important that visual stuff is. And so it's almost more powerful, dare I say, uh, to have a nine grid than your website, because what an amazing snapshot to be able to provide somebody. And then in that snapshot, you have nine opportunities and you can even probably, like you said, drill down to more um, to say, boom, this grid's about who I am. Boom, this grid's about what I do. Boom, this grid's about how you can work with me. Whatever, however you break it down. I know the strategy, I, I don't know the strategy, but I'm sure within your strategy, you really help people narrow all that down. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong and tell me if this isn't a good, I don't ever claim to be like good with the algorithm. But my other thought was, let's say we do this. My plan is to update my nine grid every quarter. I've got nine. I'm In a quarter, I got 12 weeks. Could I not just rotate through all nine of my posts and be sharing those on stories and talking about them? And I get the ideas like I kind of want to set and forget it, but I could have a VA even just sharing those and giving some thoughts or pulling out of my caption. T tell me how we can kind of repurpose our nine greed. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. You absolutely can do that. Sharing them in stories. If you're comfortable doing face to camera, you can share it in stories and then do a face to camera talking about the post diving a little bit deeper, using your voice. And then quite honestly, you could take that story, download it, repurpose it into a reel and put it on your reels tab as well. Mm -hmm. And when I work with clients and we do a nine grid, I also work with them to create a three month marketing strategy where we look at email, long form content and other ways to use social within the capacity that they have. And so we might also talk about taking the captions that we wrote for those posts and repurposing them into emails, turning them into blog posts that could go on your website or an outline for a podcast. If you're a podcast host that helps you, you know, dive deeper into your offers or how you help people or transformations. But the cool thing about having those posts up there that I've seen for business owners is it lightens that like guilt that we feel of I should be posting. And if I'm posting, am I posting the right thing? And is it going to do no one post is going to change your business? Like that's not a thing. Even if you go viral with mm -hmm. a post or a reel, you got to have the funnel in place and all the other things. It's not the post by itself, but having the grid post helps you know that you have a system up there, that you have content up there. And so I've seen people after we post a nine grid, get more creative with stories, feel better about being on stories. It comes more naturally and flows easier 
or they're inspired to make reels. I know that's how it is for me. I make reels for my podcast. And then if I see an idea and I'm inspired to do it, I do it. But there's not like this pressure of I have to make a reel every day or I have to make a reel three times a week because I have, again, other strategies in place in the marketing funnel of how I'm attracting, how I'm nurturing and how I'm converting that are not just social media. So if you choose to use this nine grid strategy, mm -hmm. um, am I correct to say that that would mean you're using Instagram to more, more so be your nurture container than anything else? It's not yeah. intended to bring people in. It's not intended to convert them to buy. It is truly just to nurture in the sense of this is who I am. This is what I'm about. Absorb me. Learn about me. I got another plan to get you to convert you into something else, but that's independent and different from my Instagram container, correct? Yeah. And you could still use Instagram to attract and convert in different capacities. So you could have a post in your nine grid that is a really potent, shareable, relatable quote. And the call to action could be share if this resonates. Well, now we're asking people to put it in their stories or tag a friend if it resonates, which means we're getting additional eyes on our business, which is an attract strategy. Mm -hmm. So we're actually able to do a little bit of attract that way. Again, I still use reels. Reels are going to often be served to an audience that doesn't already follow you, which is an attract strategy. I just started... I did too, but I think Echoing. we're good. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not hearing the echo, but it alerted me. Okay. I think we're okay though. I think we're okay. Okay. So then we can also use inside stories. We can have the link button or in our posts, we can have link in bio. Um, I know we were going to get to AI tools. But this is one called, it's called many chat where many, many, M-A-N-Y, many chat. People can DM you or comment a keyword and then this tool will DM them back with a link or whatever. So you can have convert strategies or further nurture strategies by using tools like that to deliver, you know, here's my sales page or here's my application to work with me or here's my, my free resource and the call to action is to download the free resource so they get on your email list. And again, it's a matter of looking at all these things together holistically and making sure we have strategies in place for all the containers. And then how does the nine grid fit in? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, this is repetitive for me, but it just, it does. It comes back down to intention. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if the intention for the nine grid is to set and forget and just be able to nurture the people who come to my page, boom, it's perfect. If your intention is I want it to do that, plus possibly attract, there's a method for that. Mm -hmm. And also, if you want it to convert, hey, we can do that too. But I, I love that you've created such a build upon layerable. Maybe they start with you and do a quarter, you know, quarter four right now. We just do a nine grade and we're just focusing on boom, getting it out there. But then quarter one, you're like, let's take it up a notch and let's try to do some, some fun stuff with attracting. I love how much we can build and layer up this nine grid concept. 
Yeah. And people will ask like, well, okay, once I set it, like how long, how long do I leave it up? Like, so what I recommend is that we leave it up for at least 90 days and get some analytics, get some insights about not only your Instagram um, metrics, but your metrics outside of that, your mm -hmm. website traffic, your, you know, opt-ins in your forms, your sales, like, let's look at all of those things holistically. And that's one thing, you know, I have a background in sales. So as a marketer, I'm never going to be like, well, I'm not responsible for your sales. No, no, no. Like they all have to fit together. I want to know about all of them. I want to look at all of it holistically and together because marketing and sales are best friends and they got to work together. But let's look at all of that and then decide, okay, for Instagram as this part of my strategy, can I leave this sign grid up longer? Right. Is, it, is it working for me? Great. If it is, leave it up. Mm -hmm. Nothing has changed in your business. Leave it up. But Things evolve in our business. We come up with new offers. Our capacity might change. Our pricing might change. We might not have a free resource. And so then a quarterly update or refresh to the nine grid can like give you an opportunity to create some momentum around that and make sure again that the content is really strategic. And we talked a little bit about the difference between like your nine grid and your website. Website updates can often be expensive, time consuming, difficult. And a lot of times, I know I as a consumer will look at somebody's website and then check out their social to see what's the latest, mm -hmm. knowing that like our websites might not be 100% up to date. We can update our nine grid a lot easier. And that can be just some tweaks to the graphics and popping it back up. Or we leave the graphics and we can just edit the copy and change what we're saying. And so it can be a lot easier the second time around. And so, I, again, I like to look at it at least every 90 days. Um, but it could stay up longer. So I want to respect, we have a hard stop at the hour. So I want to respect that. I really wanted to touch on some AI things. So um, maybe if you can, let's wrap with this. <laughs> I'm so, I always do these like multi-part questions. So sorry, but maybe give me like your, you're a fool if you're not at least looking into these three AI tools or innovative tech tools. And then tell me how listeners can get started, um, whether they're drawn to the nine grid, really want to dive in with you deeper on just any marketing tools or our strategies. Like what's a good way to get into your world and start working with you? So two part yeah. question to wrap up. Yeah. Here. Yeah. So AI tools, um, chat GBT, okay. the paid version makes all the difference in the world, having the paid version. But before we get into chat GPT, having your brand details out of your head and on paper, because we want to be able to give those things to ChatGPT so it can do its job. And I, we were just chatting before we hit record. I was working on content for a client. And I told ChatGPT, hey, that content that you just wrote is a little too stuffy. Can you please make it a little bit more breezy? Like ChatGPT needs feedback. So understanding and having your brand tone and personality and all those things defined can help you. Um, what The other tool that I want to share, if you create a nine grid graphic, love Canva, everybody loves Canva, but splitting it into those squares, people are like, how do I do that? There's a website called Pine Tools. Pine Tools will split it for you. So the pine, like pine tree? Yes. Okay. Yes. Pine and then tools like your toolkit. Okay. Yes. Pine tools. Pine tools. There's it's free. 
there's a split image functionality and you can split it into Perfect. nine squares, 12 squares, whatever you need it to be. So then you're designing it all in one versus trying to design nine different squares that cohesively that, fit yeah. together into a puzzle. Um, and then if you're like, okay, I, I think I want to try this. I think I want, I want to do this thing. I'm, I'm interested in the nine grid the, at the consistency slash nine grid. You can learn more about working together if you'd like me to do one for you. Um, and then I also have templates available if you want to DIY with some prompts and some suggestions to kind of work through. And if you have questions, send me a DM. I hang out on Instagram. I'm actually better at the DMs than I am at email. So <laughs> connect True. with me there. And I'm happy to answer any questions that you have about the strategy. Awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I know we kind of had a rush through today's episode, but but gosh, were we not short on value? Like so many great things. Again, listen to these episodes, listen to this episode a couple times because you want to pull out some of these tidbits. Um, we'll get all those, those great, uh, that great website, the um, consistencycorner.com forward slash nine grid in the show notes so that you guys can quickly get to that. Also, Ruthie really is, is super accessible. She, her brain is on fire all the time. Um, but if you reach out to her, she, she responds, you know, and so you really get a great value being in her world. So go find her on Instagram. I know she's present there. And uh, again, thank you so much for being here, Ruthie. Yes. Thank you for having me. This was a really fun conversation. Likewise. All right, guys, until next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Passion on Purpose podcast. I truly hope you got a lot of value out of this episode. So if you did, please rate, review, and share. If you are interested in being a guest on the show, whether a leader or an expert, please go to getvim.com forward slash podcast, and you will find our application page or reach out to me directly and I can give you more information. 